This is Donald Parham of the L.A. Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the L.A. Football Network. Stay Three, tuned. two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by UFC Fit and Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Charger, Bolt Family, Tick Pick, and Bet Online. If this is your first time tuning into the show, you can, of course, find us on YouTube. Hit that like and subscribe button. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Dan Wolkenstein, I wish I could be coming on here today and saying Chargers football is back, but... No, we still got a couple of weeks left. We are still in the purgatory season that I hate where nothing is happening. So (laughs) Dan and I, Dan and I really have to put our creative minds together to try to do some of these weekly podcasts and bring some context to this off season that we're all suffering in right now. Dan Wilkinson, though, how are you? Oh, Jake, I'm wonderful. Great intro. This is going to be a fun episode Um, for this one. Guys and gals, uh, well, first off, again, thank you for tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. Uh, For this episode, the goal is we wanted to kind of go through, you hear a lot of people talk about like breakout seasons in terms of like who needs to have it, like who's on the chopping block. But we wanted to kind of take a different angle on this one and discuss who we think will have a breakout season. And there's a difference between will and who needs to, which we'll get into later. So that's the episode today. Jake, before we get into it, how are you? And then let's pay the bills. I'm doing fantastic. Dan, I'm surprised that you did not bring up the news that was just broken to us. Oh! Roughly 45 minutes ago. Hot, uh, breaking news, hot the press. Dan, Dan Wolkenstein is, de- I mean, I thought I was a lover of Taco Bell, but Dan mm. Wolkenstein is on, I found out today that he is on another level when he heard about what it is that they are testing apparently this week with a new item on the menu at one specific location in Irvine. Um, Dan, would you like to do the honors? Sure. Um, I think all of us like to say that we are foodies, especially as we get older. Uh, There are two foods that are near and dear to my heart. One of which has always been Taco Bell. My wife and I have done that as date night for like Fridays for years now, not every Friday, but many Fridays. And the other one is a snack item that I could not stop eating once I start, and I'm not allowed to have in the house because of that, and that is Cheez-Its. And apparently, Taco Bell, Jake, is coming out with a tostada and a crunch wrap with the normal tostada crunch wrap toppings, but also with a Cheez-It 16 times larger than an actual Cheez-It. And I'm salivating as I'm saying it. I believe we're going to have a lunch date on Friday with our Mas queso. <laughs> this is going to be good. I cannot wait. So I will be providing reviews later on. For folks watching or listening, leave a comment. What are some of the hybrid or the merges of products or food types that have worked that you love? So, Jake, this is... Talk nothing's going to beat nothing. Well, I mean, nothing's going to beat the Reese's peanut butter cup. You know, you stuck your peanut butter in my chocolate or you stuck your chocolate in my peanut butter type thing. I mean, nothing's really going to beat that. But well, I you get got, where like, you're Doritos, going with this. Doritos taco shells mixed with Taco Bell. You've yeah. Got, 
there's all kinds of I miss I know there's a thousand of them. So yeah, but I like this. Watching. This is this is an interesting little side conversation that I like. So that that'll be uh, interesting with whatever. I mean, and probably people have created their own. So if you've created your own, please put please send those to us because we'd love to hear those as have well. You know, have you ever had hot Cheetos and uh, cream cheese? Yes, that's a good one. My that my personal favorite is you know everybody comes up with the, their own favorite fruity candies. I'm a huge fan of Skittles and Starburst. Recommendation to you, but you have to do it with the specifics. And again, we'll be talking about football here shortly. We just went <laughs> off on a total food tangent, but you got to go out and you got to get the fave reds, the bag that only houses all of the reds or pink Starburst. Go get that and then go get a big bag of the wild berry Skittles. I'm Did telling you right now, this is going to blow your mind. It may give you canker sores, just fair warning, but it's too good to not pass up to, to pass up. But take one of the Starburst, doesn't matter which one of the red ones, and then take two of the wild berry Skittles and pop both of those in your mouth and just watch the magic happen or taste the magic happen, essentially. <laughs> Hashtag food porn. One last yes. one, Jake, before we move on. Um, do you like candy corn? Yes. Okay, I do not like candy corn. However, someone had introduced us to the idea of candy corn and peanuts. Eat them together, it completely transforms the flavor. It tastes like a payday. Yes. 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 It's very good. Okay. Anyways, Jake, it's been fun. Back to football. <laughs> Back to That's football. it for this episode of Charge Unleashed. So so as Dan specified, because <laughs> weeks ago we did we basically went through a, uh, our list of six players that we felt were in a make or break season. And then we decided let's flip it a little bit, but let's make it more specific to say, not just say who, as Dan says, not to say who needs to have a breakout season, but who will. So these are of course subjective. These are our own thoughts on who we believe could have a breakout season. Um, and we'd love to hear all your guys' thoughts as well, because your guys list is probably going to be different than ours. So Dan, take your pick. Who do you want to start with? Okay, um, I'm going to start with one who people might question at first as to why he would be, quote-unquote, a breakout candidate. But I'm going to go right off the clip with a one Derwin James. And hear me out, Jake. Um, Derwin James is a borderline all-pro. But if you think about kind of a breakout candidate last year versus this year, think about what Derwin James had to do last year. and Think about how kind of handcuffed he was in his position because of how depleted this team was let's leave it at that be gentle fast forward to this year he's become the quarterback of this defense according to Brandon Staley and they have given him so much artillery to succeed this year to where he can shine brightest as his own player and be everywhere on the field so Derwin James last year did not have a JC Jackson Derwin James last year did not have a Khalil Mack. He didn't have the inter-defensive line that they have now. They didn't have a Bryce Callahan, Callahan to help with a the slot. They didn't have a JT Woods. Like, Derwin James, I believe, will be unlocked this season. And so, for me, breakout last year to this year, Derwin James will look completely different in the best of ways. Derwin James looked great last year, but it felt to me like he was almost neutralized to where he was... It was kind of vanilla... Derwin James, not to his fault, but out of necessity. Like he was like your safety valve of when all else fails, Derwin James to make the play versus like being able to be on the offensive and make Derwin James attack. So in that regard, 
Durbin James, first on my list, breakout candidate. If we're just looking at year over year, completely different player you're going to see this year. I like the way that you presented that, Dan, because if you just were looking at face value from stats, one can make the argue just based off of numbers alone without knowing any context to say that Derwin James had one of the most productive years that he's ever had in the league last year, if not his most productive. 118 combined total tackles, 43 assists, two sacks, two interceptions. His best year before that would have, was, of course, his inaugural year. 2018, he had 105 combined total tackles, 30 assists, three and a half sacks, and three interceptions. Now, to your point, Dan, there was a lot of there could be a lot of reasons why one of your safeties is having that high tackle rate, and it's not always the best reason. We know where the Chargers ranked in third down defense last year. Collectively, it wasn't good. The talent in the secondary was always shift, shifting around, so you could not, as you were saying, Dan, deploy Derwin James the way that you really wanted to. So to get that Derwin back to that 2018 form that we that we saw for where he was making those uh, 105 tackles, he was all over the field when he was doing this. You were having him come off the edge more often. His his man coverage ability that he's shown in the slot and against tight ends is some of the best that's in the league. If you can use him as the weapon that you drafted him for, as the do-it-all type safety, that is the context of what Dan is talking about here, to get him back into that vintage 2018 form. And, and- for folks who are saying, well, Derwin James was amazing last year. Like he was, but if you look at kind of like you talk about the statistics, like I just, I referenced PFF. I know they're not the Bible. People have a lot of sticks they have about it, about them. And some of the things that they say are trash and whatnot, but like a lot of the things that they provide are very useful. And especially when you're kind of comparing one player to another or one year to another of the same player, Jake last year compared to his freshman season, his freshman season, he had an 87.8 grade on defense. Last year, only 78.1 defensive grade for Derwin James. Now, 78 is pretty damn good. That's not 87. And the reason that 78 was happening was because he had to kind of take his foot off the gas as the insurance policy of this team. You weren't able to see Derwin James be as aggressive. So I think look at the in totality i think you're gonna see derwin james much higher if i had to guess i think we're gonna see derwin james in the mid 80s as a pff grade this year so 87.8 was his benchmark freshman year that's gonna be tough to do but if there's a player that could do it's him all right dan who's next uh let's see so we did derwin james i know people are gonna probably i'm curious if people think of that one um Another one who I think will have a breakout season, and again, difference between who needs to versus who will. For example, Nadir Adderley contract year needs to have a breakout season. Do we think he will have a breakout season, and will that be as much of a variance from last year? He's not on my list. I'll just say that right now. A guy that is on my list is probably the guy that I think you and I both last year were shocked that the Chargers were even able to get him in the second round. Asante Samuel Jr. Now, if you look at statistically, like he didn't have the best of seasons statistically, but the eye test on Asante Samuel Jr. last year was through the roof. 
cat-like instincts, super quick, the very, very high IQ individual. And the only thing, the only thing that held him back was, I guess, two things. One, injury. And two, just hadn't had enough time on the field. You give him a full offseason. You give him time to get healthy. You give him time to get right. You give him other players around him. And you make him be able to do what he's able to do best. Like, he's not going to be pigeonholed to just be outside corner or just be slot. They'll be able to deploy multiple corners to do things where it could be more of a matchup thing. Asante Samuel Jr. with the right matchup, I'll take him over anyone if they match him up correctly. When you have a J.C. Jackson and Bryce Callahan next to you. So, like, those three, also Michael Davis, but those three specifically, I think will enable the Chargers to kind of unlock Asante similar to a Derwin James and allow him to play downhill to his instincts and be more proactive and less reactive. I think a lot of times last year, he was kind of playing off of instincts a little bit, but was reacting a lot. Sometimes fell in the right place, right time. I think Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be a completely different animal this year. And I think he will have a breakout season. I'm going to guess by the end of the season, he will, he will be uh, corner two. Uh, and I think he will have whatever the over-under for interceptions for Asante Samuel Jr. is on whatever prop bets, uh, I would take the over. Speaking of prop bets, Jake, pay the bills. <laughs> Friends of ours, bet online. Yeah, let me do this, and then I will give my thoughts on Asante Jr. So as we were talking about, Bet Online, our partners, continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, sports, and developments, including this year's Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news of the UFC. If you guys are interested in tuning into the UFC fight, huge card going down this week, possibly the biggest fight of the summer. Israel Asanya goes up against Jared Cannonier. Alexander Volkanovsky goes up against Max Holloway. And Sean Strickland goes up against Alex Pierre. And that is just three fights off of the of the stacked card that is this weekend for UFC. Uh, so definitely check that out if you have nothing better to do on July 2nd, that is for sure. But um, head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code believe that's B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts. All right, Dan back to Asante Samuel jr. There's a lot of interesting points that you said there before I actually say it. Cause you, you dropped the over under line, whatever it is. I mean, I could, I could think it could only go one direction and that's up because last year he had two, so what do you want to be fair with? Do you want to put it at four and a half? Do you want to be that generous? Four and a half. That's tough. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll go over. You go over. Okay. Interesting. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's tough. Three, I was thinking three and a half. Are you already changing your mind? I was thinking three and a half because that would be double what he had last year if I went over to four. No, screw it. I'm going to go five. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Be also... The other part that I didn't mention, Jake, and I don't know if you're going to get into this, but having J.C. Jackson on your team. There it is. I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yes. So you kind of were alluding to it when you were talking about the versatility that Asante Samuel Jr. brings to the secondary. And when we first signed J.C. Jackson back at the beginning part of free agency, I was explaining this to a lot of people that it's not a rebuild. It's, like it's reshaping it because – as just as Brandon Staley was talking about wanting to be multiple in defense, that is now what you are able to do with a secondary that includes Michael Davis, Bryce Callahan, Asante Samuel Jr., and J.C. Jackson. And we haven't even talked about the safeties in that same sentence either. 
But it is interesting, Dan, that when you go to, you were just talking about PFF a couple minutes ago, they had the Chargers, I think, ranked as the number eight overall secondary unit. And when they start going through who all the names are, there is one name that is particularly left off of that as far as the starting corners goes, and that is a one Michael Davis. So I'm just, I'm really interested to see the type of formations that defensive coordinator Ronaldo Hill is going to deploy here because J.C. Jackson, Michael Davis, they're your two bigger-bodied defensive backs here. Bryce Callahan, when he's healthy, is one of the best slot corners in the NFL. But to have a versatile weapon, the likes of Asante Samuel Jr., to mix into that, how creative your coverage can be. And I like the points that you brought up, Dan, as far as the play from him last year. You know, there were other moments where uh, he was out for an extended period of time due to injury. So not the best rookie year that you would have wanted to see, but the way that it started, if you remember the way that it started in the first two games, if that is the expectation that we could get from a full season from Asante Samuel Jr. to bring to this secondary, all the makings are there for a potential breakout year for him. No question. Yeah. And, and again, I think that the part that I didn't mention earlier is when you have JC Jackson on your team, people are not going to want to throw to him as much. And so there will be more opportunities this year than he's ever had. So I think simply because of the volume, I think his production will go higher as well as just his surrounding talent. So Asante Samuel Jr. is number two on my list. Jake, let's flip over to you. Who's next? Who will have a breakout season? I think we kind of got a peak of it last year, Dan. Um, and it's been talked about. He's someone that's definitely been reveled in the mandatory mini camp throughout Justin Herbert, throughout Brandon Staley, but a one Josh Palmer. Mm. We've been wondering who's going to take up the mantle for wide receiver three. And I think after Josh Palmer was stepping up during his time when I believe it was Mike Williams that he was stepping up for. I can't remember if that was the COVID game or if it was injury that held him out, but he had to step up um, big time in that game. And week 18. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think I think the expectations for him are sky high right now. You hear the way that Justin Herbert has lauded about him as far as just the progression, the differences that he's already seeing from seeing him in camp as opposed to where he was last year and throughout the regular season. Um, you even heard him talk about how just he always pokes and prods Keenan Allen for information. The guy just wants to be a sponge, wants to get better. You hear Brandon Staley talk about what the expectations are for him, the type of training camp that he, or the type of mini camp that he has had thus far. I think that the coaches now know, because again, it wasn't just a first for a lot of these guys that we're talking about here, but it was a first for the coaches as well. So maybe for a coach Staley or a coach Lombardi, you don't fully realize the type of asset that you have in a Josh Palmer before this moment in time right now to where you can stand back and say, ah, you know what? We're going to go into year two and we're going to have a completely different game plan for how we're going to be able to deploy them. And we're going to do it more often. So I think the opportunities are going to be are going to be much more for Josh Palmer in this, in this upcoming season. And I think he wants it. I think that there's no question that even if we're talking about a necessarily a small barometer from the stats that he put up in 2021, but I think they're going to exceed greatly what anybody is thinking about him at a surface level standpoint. So vo- let me ask you, so volume wise, Josh Palmer, is he wide receiver three when all said and done? I- I think he does win it out. I think he does win it. 
Um, you know, for between him and Jalen Guyton, who's also another wide receiver who's had a great mini camp thus far, you've heard that talked about as well. But I think just the different aspects of what each one of those guys can do. Jalen Guyton's advantage over Josh Palmer definitely is the speed aspect. Josh Palmer can just do a lot more things than Jalen Guyton can as it relates to being on the field. And I think that we've seen that in the small sample size that we got last year, if you're just comparing apples to oranges in that circumstance. I still love both guys, but I think if we're saying who wins the wide receiver three battle, I think it's no question that it's going to be Josh Palmer and the expectations for him, uh, or sorry, expectations for him are already high, and I think he's going to prove that when we get to the season. Love it. All right, moving on. Um, I'll let you decide, Jake. Do you want to go offense or defense for the next guy? Well, we just did we just did offense, but I know we've done two defensive guys, so let's do offense again. Okay. Um, now, this might be a homerism, and I will fully accept it. Oh, it definitely is. I'm bullish on Trey Pipkins this year, and I think he will have a breakout season, and there are many reasons to believe that he will, and there's a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Evidence to support this argument. That's the hmm. word. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. So you've got secondhand, firsthand experiences from a Duke Manyweather, from a Daniel Popper, from a Kiss Harry, from a Brandon Staley, all the way down the line of how different Trey Pipkins looks this year, both physically, mentally, facial hair, doesn't matter. <laughs> and you think of the players that I think have the biggest opportunity to have a breakout season. I think he fits both builds. Like I think he needs to, I think he will. And I think not just because like he's going to be forced to, but I think he, again, this is me just willing it into existence. I will fully admit it, but I, I'm still believing in Trey Pipkins and I might die on that sword and I, he might fl- flail out. But I don't think he will. I really don't. I don't. I think this team knows something. And if you think about a breakout season, like what would what, what would constitute? Maybe that's a better question. What would constitute a breakout season for Trey Pipkins? Like if we saw Trey Pipkins just have average to above average play, hell yes, that's a breakout season for me. I hundred percent considering what we saw year two, year three, yes. All day. So in that regards, variance from year to year to year, I think Trey Pipkins has a breakout season. That's definitely a homer take. And I think you're kind of hedging your bets there a little bit because the bar is kind of low as it relates to Trey Pipkins. We know about the two great games that he put up last year against Kansas City and Denver. That's no question. We've talked about that multiple times. So when you start talking about it in that regard, when you know that he wasn't really the primary starter when he was standing behind Storm Norton in this circumstance, it's not really much higher that you have to go. I'm curious before you kind of really break this down, though, Dan, at what point, because you just said two seconds ago that you're bullish now on Trey Pipkins. And I understand why. I, I think a lot of people are coming around to it. I'm just wondering for you, when did the switch flip? So, good question. I I believe that from the beginning, I felt that he was the guy to beat out of necessity. 
I felt like from that, the that, from the from the beginning being what going into this off season. Yeah, off season. Okay. Like like once all the free agency and all that stuff was done, like we realized like this is who we got. Like it felt to me like he was the guy to lose the job. I think as you start to see more and more players and writers and you know folks covering the team who have seen him more and more and folks who have practiced with him, Ode Ibushi, Rasan Slater, Duke Manyweather, like it's hard to believe that all of those people who know what the hell they're talking about are wrong. And yes, we have had a ton of evidence to support that he was not very good his first few years. But I believe this offseason, combined with being able to play next to a Zion Johnson, combined to a better running game that this team has, we won't have to rely on him to be on the island as much, combined with his improvements, I think we're going to see a breakout Trey Pipkins. And imagine the day, Jake, where fast forward through the postseason, whatever happens this season, offseason, Chargers re-sign Trey Pipkins to a three-year deal. Like, how rewarding, like, how incredible would that story be? Now, will it happen? Not sure. But I'm banking on it. I think it's going to happen. Okay. All right. Again, I said it last week. I'm rooting for Trey Pipkins. I really really am. I've always said that the safer option would have been to take Matt Filer, move him from left guard to right tackle, and that we all kind of assumed that that was the case when – there was no right tackle taken. There was no free agent tackle signed. <laughs> and you just said to yourself, okay, you're really going to try this again, given the product that was put on the field last year. But now as we're getting closer to it, I, I, I will say that I do favor continuity in this circumstance a little bit more than I did from the, the safety standpoint of moving one person to a different position. So you you obviously can't, walk into next year with Storm Norton as your right tackle, given what took place in 2021. And the short flashes and even somewhat of a bumpy road that Trey Pipkins had to go through between week six and 11 last year. It wasn't perfect by any means. Let's not forget that. Trey Pipkins did have his lows of 2021, but he picked himself up and he raised to the highs against Kansas City and Denver. And we knew that when he was drafted by Tom Telesco in the third round, Extremely raw type of guy, but the athletic traits as a tackle were there. So when you're looking at the athleticism, I think that's going to go a long way. And Dan, as you were mentioning, all of the training that he's done with Rashawn Slater Slater and Duke Mannyweather at this point, if you correct the technical mistakes that have followed him over the last three years, if you can put that together, you may have something. So I'm rooting for the guy. (sighs) Okay. Jake, let's do let's move on to one who I think might be a surprise to people, but I think he will have a breakout season in all senses of the word. And I'm going with Joey Bosa. Now, Joey Bosa is an all pro. Like he's pretty darn good by himself. And he's been pretty darn good on this team since he's been here. He's also been double triple teamed almost the entire time he's been on this team, aside from maybe a year or two with Melvin Ingram. And last year, For as great as he was, similar to the discussion with Derwin James, he was kind of handcuffed because everyone was chipping. Everyone was getting him to have at least two or three guys because they knew no one else was doing it. And 
as much as we love Chandler Nwosu, as much as we love Kaiser White, very few and far between do we see them consistently rushing the passer to where they're able to get off of Joey Bosa double teams. So, Jake, did you know that last year was Joey Bosa's second worst year, according to PFF, and comes like the defensive grade? 85.8, his worst season other than 2018. Every other season, he had a better grade than last year, 85.8. Now, you give him an interior defensive line that could actually do something in theory. You give him a Khalil Mack, who he has never had someone to that caliber on his team across from him. You give him a secondary with a J.C. Jackson that gives him a little bit more time to get to the quarterback because he's sticky. You give him a Derwin James, it'll be all over the place. Imagine him next to Derwin James, next to Khalil Mack, all rush at the same time. I think Joey Bosa is going to get through. Like, I feel pretty damn good about that. So as much as Joey Bosa was great last year, you didn't get to see it in terms of, like, the end results. He got he had a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the, the stuff that you don't see on paper. But this year, I think you're going to see a very different, similar to Derwin James, where in the stat book, like, where people make their money, you're going to see a breakout season from Joey Bosa. I'm talking 15-plus sacks minimum. Barring health, 15-plus sacks minimum. Remind me, Dan, it was 30, was it 35 sacks that you said that the Chargers got last year when we were talking about the over-unders? Okay. Yep. And so for you to say statistically that Joey Bosa had one of his worst years last year when essentially he was responsible for a third of the sacks that the Chargers got last year, it's really weird when you put that sense together because even still, it was the fourth time that Joey has gotten into double-digit sack totals. Last year, he got 10 and a half. So essentially, he was responsible for a third of the Chargers' total sacks last year. But what does that tell you, Dan? While being double and triple teamed. Yes. Which is insane. But what does that? I mean, what that also tells you is that when you when the negative stat points are coming into play, as you mentioned, not a lot of good play from the interior of the defensive line. The opposing edge rushers were not doing what they needed to do. Obviously, you couldn't deploy the secondary or the linebackers in the similar way that you normally would have because the defense was just so atrocious when it came to third downs. You were never able to get them in that second or third and long situation to where you can really just pin your ears back and go right after the quarterback. And even if you did, even if you did, it was still situations where the opposing offense ended up converting. So the Chargers defense in a multitude of different ways just fell completely flat last year. So I don't think this is a bad pick at all from Dan. And um, as much as this is going to help Khalil Mack having Joey Bosa across from him, it's going to help Joey Bosa just as much to have Khalil Mack across from him. And then with the revamped defensive line that I think you're going to get much better, um, much uh, better, <laughs> production out of. Um, and again, with the way that the secondary should be playing as well off of that. What was, what was it, Dan? You said 15? You were giving Joey Bosa 15. Yep. Over. Oh, over going over 15. Put it. That's, that's where the line is 15 and you're going over. Mm -hmm. Cause I do remember a question not too long ago that Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack would combine alone for 30 sacks. Remember that? I think that we got that in the live chat at that time. I do. That's bold by you, but you know what? Screw it. I love it. <laughs> Let's go. Go, Dan. Woo! Okay, Jake, who's next? 
All right, we're going to flip it over to a newcomer and one that we've talked about very sparingly on this show. And again, I still don't think is getting as much attention that he should be getting. But the new starting tight end of the Los Angeles Chargers won Gerald Everett to come in and replace Jared Cook to now partner once to partner now with Donald Parham and Trey Pipkins and round out this tight end room. Dan, I'm very excited for what Gerald Everett could bring to this team. And when you look at the stats, and even if you go all the way back during his time with the Rams, and I realized in retrospect when I was putting his putting together his over under numbers, I realized that I was not being generous. I was actually being, you know, <laughs> pretty uh, like pretty out there as far as expectations goes. But if when you look at this, Dan, did you know that Gerald Everett has not eclipsed one season where he has gone over? 500 yards receiving. Weird. Did you know this? No. Not one year where he has gone over 500 yards receiving, which is just, it's, it's bonkers to me when you think about it. But then when you, you look a little bit closer, the Rams just had so many damn weapons, even during their days with Jared Goff. And then when you go to Seattle and the way that Russell Wilson was playing behind a porous offensive line and even worse defense, there were not many opportunities that were there. So I started comparing that to Jared Cook's last season that he had with the Chargers. Played all 16 games, 83 targets, Dan, 48 receptions, 564 yards, and four touchdowns. So maybe I was a little bit bullish on my expectations for <laughs> Gerald Everett last week. But given that... And now understanding the stats of where Gerald Everett has been for his career thus far, injecting him into this offense with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Austin Eckler, is it going to be more of the same story that it was in the Rams where you had those collective type of weapons? Or do you think that they're going to put more of an emphasis on getting the tight ends the ball as we expected that they were going to last year. Now, obviously, Jared Cook's stats probably would have been a lot better if it, if there was not for the drop issue. I don't mm-hmm. think that they're going to be able to do that here. I'm really excited on how they're going to be deploying Gerald Everett. You've heard Coach Lombardi talk about this. When you look at how Seattle uh, was utilizing him in the offense on jet sweeps for a tight end, uh, his catch radius, what he can do with the football, the yak standpoint, he has all of these aspects that you want to see for a tight end. And we really thought we were going to see a lot more of these big two tight end sets, especially when we got in the red zone last year. And we just didn't end up seeing it as much. And even if, and, and when we did, it didn't end up capitalizing as much as it should have. So I'll come down on my bullish expectations on the line that I put on Gerald Everett last year. But I think he's in prime position. Again, I don't think that he's getting enough attention as it stands right now. And I'm sure that that's going to change when we get towards closer to trading camp. But I have a lot of high expectations that this is kind of the underrated weapon that for Justin Herbert that nobody's talking about. I would agree. Uh, I'm with you on this. I think Jared Everett is going to have a great season. And the, you know, people want to talk about you know he hasn't had 500 yards receiving yet in a season he hasn't had over, I think it's over four touchdowns in a season yet. But the one thing he has done is he has improved 
year over year throughout his entire career. Yards after catch per reception has increased every year since it started. 4.4 to 4.8 out of 5.9. Excuse me. Every year except last year went out of 5.2. I apologize. I was wrong. Uh, From there, you look at his receiving yards. 244, 320, 408, 417, then 478. Number of receptions went up. So as he was called upon more, he brought more to the table. The Chargers, the one thing that I think this team has been severely lacking is easy yards. And, and I say that, and it's it's hard to... You look at teams like the Packers do this really well. The Patriots do this really well. The Chiefs do this really well. Where they can get three, four yards on some random screens, end arounds, quick flip plays, whenever they want. Tom Brady did it with, with Edelman and Welker every single game. You're like, can we not give them a five-yard out every single time? It seems like the Chargers just don't slash aren't able to do that. Like they're always having to feed Keenan Allen or go to Mike Williams on a jump ball or Hunter Henry, you know, 10, 15 yards out or Donald Parham jump ball. Austin Eckler having to juke and shake everybody. Like, but there aren't any Gerald Everett sweeps where he just takes the ball, pitch quickly three yards because he's just bigger than the guy trying to tackle him. And I think that's what he's going to inject into this team. I think you're going to see him be productive as a pass catcher, but I think he will take some of the load off of Austin Eckler and off of the tackles because of his ability to kind of be all over the field. So I do think he is going to have a breakout season. I don't know if it's going to be a breakout season in terms of statistics, but I think in terms of impact to a team, I think he is absolutely going to have an impact season. It's wild when you look at those statistics that you were reading through on a year-by-year basis, and as some people might label him to be pedestrian by some, but even last year, Dan, that was his best season that he had had collectively as a tight end since he's been in this league. And that, of course, was playing alongside Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and that Seattle offense that just was ended up being abysmal. Because Didn't Russell was Wilson, no wasn't he hurt for a while too? There was Yes, there was that. So to me, I'm just thinking you come to an offense that probably outside of the quarterback when you're thinking about the weapons. I mean, it's it's interesting when you think about it, what he was playing next to last year with a Tyler Lockett and a DK Metcalf. And now you inject a wide receiver, a caliber of Austin Eckler in the same offense with a quarterback, the likes of Justin Herbert, that's throwing you the ball. And you pair that off with a Mike Williams, a Keenan Allen, and a Josh Palmer. I mean, the statistics may not skyrocket because there's only one ball to throw around here. But in terms of value to the team and the potential there for this to be maybe his best season that he's ever had, I think that that's arguably there. I'll add it with this. Yards, per, yards from scrimmage every year has gone up. And I think that will continue this year. I have no doubt in my mind if he can stay healthy that he will have more than he's had in any season previously. Yep. So, Asante Samuel Jr., Josh Palmer, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, and Trey Pipkins are the five that we have as the folks who will have breakout seasons in 2022. Jake, any honorable mentions 
Any guys that just missed the list for you? I mean, honorable mentions, I mean, because I'm sure people will ask about this. So Dan and I chose to kind of tailor this in a certain way. Zion Johnson, Isaiah Spiller, it's 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 early to say that they would be having what you'd consider breakout, considering that we have not seen them play a single snap in the NFL. Dan mentioned that he had kept Nasir Adderley off of his list because he felt that he needed to have a breakout year this year. Not necessarily one that he will. Me, mine personally that I kept off this list for the exact same reason that Dan says is, is Kenneth Murray. I don't think that he necessarily will have a breakout year, but he needs to have a breakout year, especially at a linebacker spot where you virtually have very little depth behind you. He needs to show up in 2022. Drew Tranquil is another one who I think he goes a little under the radar this year, this offseason anyways. You know, everybody's talking about Kenneth Murray coming back and we're talking about Tor Reader, Kyle Van Noy. But Drew Tranquil, when healthy, is one of the smartest linebackers in the NFL. And I don't necessarily know what a breakout season looks like for him, but going into last season, there was talks he could be a Pro Bowl linebacker. Like he was that good before that horrific injury the year prior. So I think he's out there too for me. Um, Mike Davis, another one that needs to, I don't know if he will. I don't know if he's going to have enough reps to do it. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Jake, anything else you want to tell the good people? of Chargers Unleashed Nation before we head out of here before next episode. Bring me football. <laughs> I'm dying here. Much like so many other people, I'm dying. There's no NBA. There's no Stanley Cup. We're done there. So all we have left is UFC on once a week on the weekends and Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. I need football back in my life. Jake's over here salivating at the idea. Come of on, talk about football. All you're doing is seeing reruns of like 2018 championship games, right? <laughs> oh man! All right, for Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake D Hefner. I'm not going to talk about his five o'clock shadow is backwards hat. Myself, you can find at Chargers Homer. For folks who are wanting to get any of the Chargers Unleashed or LAFB swag, you can use the code. Unleashed, get 25% off at the LAFB Network store. Uh, Jake, it's been fun. I hope we can watch something to keep our mind off the fact there is no football, but until then... Oh, I can. It just needs to be back in my life. Until then, we got Taco Bell cheese it action that we're about there to embark go. on. Uh, reviews will be coming shortly. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed. <laughs>